Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Well, I want you to turn in your Bibles. I hope you have them. We use them every week. Turn to the book of Proverbs, about halfway through your Bible, in the Old Testament, right after the book of Psalms, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Take your Bibles, take your smartphone, take your iPad, open up the Scriptures. Uh, somebody asked last week, what, what version of the Scriptures do you typically teach from? And my default setting is called the Holman Christian Standard Bible, H-C-S-B. My youngest daughter calls it the Hardcore Southern Baptist Bible, but I, I, I'm not sure that that's what that meant. But uh, that's what I'm using and uh, it's just one of the great, there are many, many great English translations of the Scriptures. I have confidence in them all. Get one and, uh, and use it. So put your finger there. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we pray now that you'd help us to put aside all the things that clamor for our attention other than you. Uh, Lord, help us to open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from Your Word and open our minds that we may understand the Scriptures and unlock our hearts, that part of our spirits that most directly relate to You, that we may respond to You in, in ready obedience. And uh, we thank You for these things. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. How many of you, raise your hand, I'm going to go ahead and raise mine. I'm not doing this as an example, I'm doing it as a confession, so you can join me. How many of you have ever ignored a warning label or a warning sign? Raise your hand. Look at us. Bunch of fools, aren't we? We are, we are, we are. Have you ever wondered why we do that? When, when, uh, when Allison and I, my wife and I were growing up, Interstate 20 west out of Atlanta stopped in Douglasville. Is anybody else here old enough to remember that? Just five of us, yeah. And so um, stopped right there. And I'm not sure where it picked back up. Uh, way back over in Alabama. You had to take Highway 78 and weave way back over. Uh, at one point, it didn't pick up until the other side of Alabama in Bessemer over down in, in that part of the country. So stopped it at Douglasville. Well, when I, David, when I, you'd have loved it as a commissioner then because... All us guys, when they started build, rebuilding that section, we thought, hey, they, they poured concrete. And there are all these big signs, road closed, danger, no bridges, you know, all this kind of, don't get on the road. Well, what do we do? Well, that's for those stupid people. So, you know, here I am in my dad's 1964 four-door white Chevrolet Impala, you know, pulling down. I said, I bet I can make it to Tallapoosa. And so, you know, here we would go. Well, we begin to hear uh, stories about idiots thinking, hey, I'm on the interstate 60 miles an hour and driving off the non-bridge into the Tallapoosa River and stuff like that. Was that smart? Thank you. Yeah, what she said. No, no, it was not smart. Why would we ignore warning labels and warning signs? Uh, Pastor Chuck Swindoll writes that he thinks he knows the reason, at least one of the reasons. Here's what he writes. He writes that most warning signs and labels are to keep stupid people from doing stupid things. So most of us think that we are smart, with it, intelligent, sophisticated people, and our default setting is that these warning signs and labels are not meant for us. All right? That's, that's, 
I thought, yeah, that's me. That's me. Well, God understands that about us, and He understood it a long time before Pastor Swindoll did, and He wrote about it in the Scriptures. And here, beginning in the 20th verse of chapter 1, He starts shouting His warnings to us uh, in, the form, in a literary form where He turns wisdom, He personifies wisdom as Lady Wisdom. God begins to call out to us and warn us. Now remember, God guides us to His wisdom and He warns us when we're ignoring it. The warning means a reproof. It means a rebuke. It means a, a reproof. It means a correction. It means discipline. Sometimes kind of punishment to teach us a lesson not to, go, not to hurt ourselves. He does this because He has our best interest at heart. Because He loves us and wants the best for us. And he says, don't play in the street. Don't drive on the unfinished freeway. Why? Because he doesn't want us to get there. Don't want to have fun. No, he wants us to be safe and good and life be very, very good. And here he's warning us again. Uh, and, and listen to this in verse 20. Wisdom calls out in the street, raises her voice in the public squares, cries out above the commotion, speaks at the entrance of the city Yates, do you sense the urgency here? I mean, do you, do you sense uh, the, God's urgency as He speaks to us through the Scriptures here? Now, the writer of this was King Solomon, inspired by God the Holy Spirit, and he's, the, 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 the context is that he's writing to his coming-of-age son to teach him wisdom and how life really works in all of God's perspective, all of the realms of life. And he is, he's, this is not a casual thing to Solomon here. I mean, look at the verbs. Calls out, raises her voice, cries out, speaks loudly. I mean, Solomon knew that this thing of getting God's wisdom into the mind and the heart and the life and the soul of his son, context for me and you, into the mind and heart and life and soul of our sons and our daughters, and it applies to all, you know, our sons and our daughters coming of age, the older elementary kids, middle and high school students, you know, hopefully before college. And um, he, he, is, he is not passive about this. He is proactive about God's wisdom for his child, and he's so, he is urgent, uh, very urgent. So I've just got to ask once again to those of us who are parents, What's your attitude toward your kids? What's your attitude toward your kids and God's wisdom? Where does knowing Jesus and following Jesus and His will and ways according to the way that God created life to work, where is that on your priority scale? What's, what's above it? For some of us, their education is above it. It's right. Is it right to be concerned that our children get a good education? Certainly. Certainly it is. Certainly it is. Uh, for some of us, uh, it, is their, um, uh, it is their physical and emotional well-being. Well, shouldn't we be concerned about their physical health and emotional health? Certainly. And we should pay attention to that. We should be diligent about that. Does it come before God's wisdom? Uh, for some of us, it's even their sports or their arts, their extracurricular activities. Is that more important than getting God's wisdom, knowing God and getting God's wisdom on how, what to know and be and do and have in this life? Is it higher? Is it higher than that? 
because listen, they can be the picture of physical and emotional health. They can get accepted to the best Ivy League school on a football scholarship and a presidential scholarship and still be an idiot. And train wreck their lives. One very wise lady in, in our church counseled one of my daughters who was considering law school and considering applying to one with high prestige, took her out to dinner and said, now you need to understand that law school is basically a bunch of very smart people doing a lot of really bad things. And you know that's what you've done with your kids? You've sent them to college. And in America, generally speaking, Bill, am I close here? In America, generally speaking, in the college and university campuses, you've got a bunch of really smart people doing a bunch of really foolish and bad things. Now, don't you feel so much better that you sent them? I sent mine. I sent mine. But you do. Because it's easy to avoid prioritizing getting God's wisdom into the hearts and lives of our kids. So where's the priority? How are you doing? And you can't delegate that. Solomon did not delegate that. Well, I'll just send them to DSM, or I'll just send them to Sunday school, or I'll just send them to Christian school, and they'll take care of that for me. No, they won't. Are those, all those things good? Yes. I would make them a part of your recipe. But Solomon took personal responsibility for his son. And we're to take personal responsibility for our sons and our daughters to make sure they get this before anything else. Before anything else. We can't leave this chance. Now the good news, good news for us is this. God's wisdom is readily available. It's hard to miss. It's not hard to find. Look, look again, in this passage, where, wisdom, where is it? Calls out in the streets. Wisdom raises her voice in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion, all the noise. She speaks at the entrance to the city gates where everybody had to pass by. He's saying, God's shouting, my wisdom is available. It's readily available. It's out there. I'm, it is obvious. It's plain. I'm right there. I am in your face. It's hard to miss. God would, could be saying here, you can't miss it. You can't miss it. That's the good news. That's the very good news. Because here, wisdom, lady wisdom personified, is not a gentle persuader. You see her here? She's not polite. She's not politically correct. She is, a, she is shouting. She is pleading. She is scolding. She is reasoning. She is threatening. She warns. She even laughs at people who ignore her. She is, she is banging the pulpit and thumping the Bible, which is not very popular today. She is a hellfire, damnation street preacher on the corner of Peachtree and International Boulevard with a bullhorn. That's how easy it is to miss her. That's how easy it is to miss God's counsel. Say, oh, I'm, I'm trying to find God. Well, He's not the problem. He said, you can't miss me. You can't miss me. You can't miss my wisdom here. Wisdom is not 
hidden. It is in the public squares, in the courthouse squares, in the markets, all along Main Street, in the marketplace, in the businesses, in the middle of traffic, at the head of noisy streets. Here wisdom sits at the entrance of the city gates, wherever people come together, in the courts of judges, at the center of town, everywhere people go each day, everywhere you go each day, God is shouting to you. He is screaming to you with a bullhorn. Here I am. Here I am. And so he warns us. Verse 23, take a look at that. He says, if you respond to my warning, circle, circle that word warning. Now, remember, God's wisdom is one part guidance and proactive. It's the other part disciplinary and corrective. This is a warning. He say, "I, you're in the ditch. You're in danger." It's like if you grow up, grew up watching late Saturday afternoon television when it's still black and white. We watch Lost in Space. What's the most memorable line out of Lost in Space? Danger, Will Robinson. That's you know, it's, it's just God saying that. It's God saying that. He's correcting us, but it's also some punishment. It's all, and, and so. The problem is, is that we can ignore that. God warns us. He rebukes us. He reproves us. He reprimands us. You say, no, wait a minute, Pastor. You're saying God's shouting at me. God's making it obvious. I've, I've never heard from God. I mean, I've even, been pray, I've even prayed for guidance. And I've not heard from God. Not even His warnings. I mean, where have they been? Well, there was once a man whose town was flooding. And as the waters began to rise on his street, an emergency vehicle pulled up and the driver shouted to him on the front porch, Hey, John, come get in the, come get in the van. This is going to be bad. The town's going to be flooded. Get in. I'll take you to higher ground where you'll be safe. He said, Well, no, I, I am praying for God's guidance. And so you go ahead. I don't need you. Two hours later, the water was up to the front door and he was inside with the door open up on the first two steps of his stairwell in the foyer looking at it. And uh, a guy came by the front door in a John boat and said, John, get in the boat. This, thing, this thing's going to be bad. The river's rising rapidly. Get in the John boat. I'll take you to safety. He said, no, that's okay. I'm praying God's going to guide me. He'll take care of me. Four hours later, he's sitting on the roof of his house and the flood is up to the, to the roof line and a helicopter flies over and drops a, a, a rope ladder. He said, John, climb on up. He said, we, we can take you to safety. He said, that's okay. I don't need you. I'm praying that God will guide me as to what to do, and He's going to deliver me. So the helicopter flew away. Well, the waters rose up, swept him away, and he drowned and went straight to heaven. He got there all frustrated before God, and he said, God, I said, I would have been uh, once again praying to you for guidance as to what to do. And God said, Fool, I sent you a van and a, and a boat and a helicopter. What in the honk are you doing here? God's warnings are obvious. God's guidance is obvious to us. Just listen to this. God warns us, first of all, from His Holy Word, the Bible. You ignore it to your own demise. God warns us through inner promptings of His Holy Spirit knocking at the door of our heart, shaking our minds, trying to get our attention. God warns us through the words of our pastors and our teachers, our Bible teachers and our life group leaders. God warns us and speaks to us through the wise counsel of other mature Followers of Jesus, like our mom and our dad and our grandparents, 
uh, and our colleagues and other older uh, men and women in our churches. God warns us sometimes through the voices of our innocent children who are very sensitive to Him. God warns us through our teachers and our coaches at school. He warns us through the laws and guides us through the laws of the land. He warns us through the justice system of our country. He warns us through our first responders and our police force. And finally, if we listen to no others, God warns us through the warden. And then it's too late. Then it's too late. Lack of access to wisdom is not our problem. Our problem is that we willfully ignore it. God says every single one of us willfully ignore it. And he, it can be ignored. Take a look at verse 22. Uh, he says, God is frustrated here. Listen, he says, how long, foolish ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? I mean, God is rebuking us who are young and naive, gullible. He's speaking to naive people who will believe anything but examine nothing. Examine nothing. He's rebuking scorners who think they know everything and laugh at what is important. He is rebuking fools whose problem is not a low IQ or lack of education, but it is a lack of desire for God and willingness to listen to, to Him. And God is dismayed. He is appalled. He's shocked at our ongoing rejection of His wisdom. He said, how could you miss it? And why would you ignore it when it is for your good? But here's the deal. You can do it. God will not force it on you. He will not violate your will. He made you with volition, with the capacity to choose, and He will not make you do anything. He will not make you follow Him. He will not make you love Him. He will not make you listen to Him. He will not make you serve Him. He will not make you obey Him. He just gives you every opportunity and does everything possible to enable you to do so and experience the blessings that He gives, including death on the cross, dying for you and for me. Now, you say, well, how, wait a minute. How do we go about this ignoring God? Four ways, the Bible tells us. Take a look at verse 24 and 25. God says, since I called out and you refused, circle that word refused, or highlight it in your iPad, extended my hand to you and no one paid attention, circle that no one paid attention, since you neglected, circle that word neglected, all my counsel and did not accept, circle that phrase, my correction. So four ways. Here they are in this, these verses. Number one, the first way we do it is with arrogant pig-headedness. That's what that word refused means. It's not that we couldn't accept God's wisdom. It's that we refused it. We, re, we, we in a pig-headed, arrogant way, said no to God. Now, it's good to be strong-willed when you're right. You know, when the, like when the apostle Peter and John stood before those who were persecuting them, who ordered them not to say the name of Jesus again, and they said, well, just kill us because we, we cannot not speak of His name. That was, a little, that was a little strong-willed. Well, that was good. It was right. 
It was good for Martin Luther, the great reformer, to stand before the council at Worms and say, here I stand, I can do nothing, I cannot recant on this justification by faith alone in Christ alone. Just go ahead and eat me because I can't, I'm, not, I'm not changing. I'm not. It's good to be strong-willed when you are right. But to be arrogantly pig-headed and knowingly wrong and ignore the God of the Bible and His great wisdom, that's how we do it. Second way is that we're just unresponsive. Look at verse 24. Uh, we pay no attention. We, re, we, we pay no attention to God's warnings. This is the very definition of ignoring. I'm just not paying attention. We choose not to listen. The third way we do it is by neglecting, since you neglected my counsel. This is indifference. This is the attitude that says to God, yeah, 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 I've heard it all my life. I've heard all these pastors and all these teachers and my grandmother and my mama and all you. Listen, I've heard it. I heard it all. Look at me. Look at me. I could not care less. Is that you? Then you're in a dangerous position. I meet people all the time whose basic attitude toward God and the things of God are, I just couldn't care less. You know, it's the Billy Joel Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone. Song. Just, hey, fine with you. I couldn't care less. And you need to know that the people we're trying to reach directly in our area, the people who are outside the family of God, they're not eager to come. In fact, they're very apathetic toward the things of God. But Jesus desperately loves them. And He put us here to desperately love them. And somehow, Lord, help us do everything we can to influence them to please turn and receive the love and grace of God. But you need to know the assignment, the territory God gave us is not receptive to the gospel. So don't be surprised, but don't give up. Don't give up either. There's another way that we refuse it. The fourth way in verse 25, we just do not accept it. We say we will have none of it. It's not that we cannot accept God's wisdom. It's that we will not, Jesus says. So why do we go on and on and on, loving ignorance, enjoying mocking God, and hating knowledge and wisdom? We go on refusing, paying no attention, neglecting, not accepting the Lord Jesus Christ and His wisdom for this life and the next. It's because we something's wrong with us. It is further evidence that we are sinful people in need of a Savior. Even all, the most of you in here are already followers of Jesus. Why is, it, why is it then do we find ourselves looking for something in addition to Jesus to cleanse our life and beautify our life? Well, I need a little bit more money or this, this other person to love on the side or this or that or this or this new house or that. Or, why, do we, why, do we, why do we look for things other than... Jesus, why do we find ourselves willing to disobey God in order to be or do or have something? And we still do, don't we, from time to time? Let's admit it. The old hymn writer said it this way. I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. It's because we're not perfect yet. God's not finished with us yet. We still have. T we get up every day as forgiven, accepted, adopted children of God, thankful for the grace of God in our lives that we sang about earlier in the service, and we battle our own leftover sinful desires that pull us, and we battle the culture trying to convince us that God's ways are not the right ways, and there's some more tempting things to do, and we battle the 
spiritually the principalities and powers of the air that seek to tempt us and destroy our lives. And sometimes we don't make it. Sometimes we fail. It reminds us, therefore, that we can't do it on our own. We are reminded of the gospel. And so we live each day like the Apostle Paul. Instead, I live this day. I have been crucified with Christ. We get up and remind ourselves. Every day when I'm driving up here to the campus, I'm praying about the time I cross Lake Kedron. About that time I'm saying, Lord, once again, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but you live in me. And the life that I now live today in this flesh, in this body, I can only live by faith in you, the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Only by faith in Jesus and his gospel um, are, are we accepted by God and in, motivated and enabled to be and do what God wants us to be and do. So we all face this. We have a problem. Now, he, here's what God finally says to us here. Ignoring God's wisdom is a really bad idea. Drop that down. Make that a t-shirt. Put that on a bumper sticker. Put that on. This is a really bad idea. There are consequences beginning in verse uh, 26. He says here that foolish, gullible, scornful, unresponsive people will reap what they sow in judgment. Verse 26, God says, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. Whenever terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when trouble and stress overcome you. Listen, when we in, in this life, in this life, in the practical realm, you pick any realm, finances, marriage, family, relationships, friendships, career, physical and emotional well-being, certainly spiritual health, in any, in any realm, in any realm, when we intentionally neglect, ignore, choose not to follow God's wisdom and do something else, He's saying, it's not going to turn out good. It, and, it's going, and it will come suddenly, like, like terror striking you, like a storm, like a whirlwind. It's going to come suddenly like a whirlwind, like a storm, like a flood uh, suddenly sweeping you off the rooftop. It's coming. Here's the warning to you and me. Wisdom is shouting, warning, danger, Will Robinson. Listen. Listen, follow my ways here. But he's also saying, follow my ways for eternity. Because it is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. That means it is the acknowledgement that there is one Lord and one Savior, Jesus Christ, and only His sacrificial death on the cross and, and resurrection from the dead for you and me. And our faith in Him alone is sufficient for us uh, to, to, to be prepared for this life and the next. He says, that's the starting place. And he says, if you ignore this, judgment will come quickly, quickly. And then when judgment comes, it's too late. It's too late to change your mind. It's too late to make the decision. The decision to repent and turn to Christ must be made in this life. Listen to this, verse 28. Then they will call me, but I won't answer. They will search for me, but won't find me. Why? It's too late. Because they hated knowledge, and here we go, didn't choose to fear the Lord, didn't choose to follow Christ, were not interested in my counsel, rejected all my correction, 
Because of this, they will eat the fruit of their own way and be glutted with their own schemes. Their own schemes. There's a finality and a certainty to it. It's coming. It's amazing to me that we can't see the consequences. The consequences. And what what we are habitually guilty of doing is living our own way instead of God's way, following our own wisdom instead of God's wisdom. And then when the consequences come, we either blame God for it instead of ourselves, or we pray that He would deliver us from the consequences. Okay, let me get graphic. Here's what I mean. Oh Lord, my girlfriend's pregnant. Will you make her not be pregnant? Oh God, I have lung cancer after smoking for 30 years. Will you take this lung cancer away? Oh God, I was riding 90 miles an hour on the freeway on a crotch rocket motorcycle and I ran into the back of a stalled 18-wheeler and I think I'm dying. Will you, why did you do this to me? Really, God? Why did God? Oh God, I'm an alcoholic. After going to all the frat parties, here I am a senior in college and realized I'm an alcoholic. Well, you make me not be an alcoholic anymore. Oh God, I'm in hell. I really would like to be saved now. Too late. It's too late. The good news is, it's not too late for you. You're still here. And listen to what God promises to those who respond. In verse 23, He says, if you respond, that is the Old Testament, that Hebrew word is the Old Testament word for repent. It means, if you will turn back, if you will repent, if you will turn around, if you'll do an about face, if you'll do a 180, if you'll move in the opposite direction from your self-righteous, sin-directed life and turn to me through faith in Christ and listen to me, he says, then, verse 23, I will pour out my spirit on you. That means he gives his spirit to those who trust in Christ. I'll pour out my spirit on you, giving you the power to be and do what you want me to be, what I want you to be and do, to motivate, enable you to to do the things that please me, to transform you, to forgive you. Uh, look at verse thirty three. Uh, Whoever listens to me will live securely in this life and be free from the fear of danger. And that's the good news. And that's what I recommend that you choose now, that you follow Him now. Pray with me. There's some of you here who are not followers of Christ and you've been, your heart's been beating a little fast and you've been sensing this something in your spirit that's got you a little disturbed. That is the Holy Spirit of God knocking at the door of your heart, seeking to convince you that Jesus is who He claimed to be, that you are in the condition that He declares that you are in, and He's urging you to take His free gift of forgiveness and abundant and eternal life 
through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. The free gift. And so why don't you right now in your own words, from your own heart, just admit to Him. Lord, I'm, I have sinfully and selfishly been directing my own life. Trusting in my own self. Ignoring You and Your counsel. Igno- neglecting Your offer of salvation. Being apathetic, sometimes in open revolt against you. Oh Lord, I now turn. Grant me grace to turn away from dependence on my own self-righteousness and turn away from my love for my rebellion and turn to you, Jesus. To give up my very life as best as I'm able. To put my trust in You and what You accomplished when You died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. To apply to me personally and forgive me. Come into my life. Forgive me my sin. Give me Your Holy Spirit. Live in me and empower me to begin to be transformed into the person You want me to be and live the way You want me to live day by day. And oh Lord, give me a home with You in heaven. When I die, to the best of my understanding, I commit myself to you. For the rest of you who are followers of Christ, but you've forgotten the gospel today, and you've been living, pursuing some things that you think would enrich, beautify, maybe even cleanse your life other than following Jesus, then repent. Repent. Come as you are. Remember, we come just as we are in all of our sin and all of our ugliness. And He's the one then who cleans us up. Lord, make it so. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.